Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says this. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive. After his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. As you see, the uh, book of Acts begin, um, in some ways it's like the second book of the beloved physician Luke, as Luke shows us the death, burial, the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he begins here with what Christ both did and taught, and now, now, He is working through, the resurrected Christ will be working through the apostles, the disciples. And this book is the acts of Jesus Christ through the body of Christ. Those here on earth, those that are in Christ Jesus, the church, you and I. The Bible says that he showed himself after his passion. I've mentioned before that we as a church, we have to be passionate about getting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to the world. Um, Throughout our community, our neighborhood, our family, but throughout the world, being passionate about preaching the gospel and giving and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would say that there is... 
no greater passion or example of passion than the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, no greater love hath any man than this, than a man lay down his life. The passion that Christ showed by His death, His burial, His resurrection. There's no greater proof of love than that of the gospel. No greater proof of love than that He would die for us. And it's by the gospel, it's by the gospel that we are powered. You know, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, powered by the gospel. What keeps us going? What keeps us on fire? What keeps us passionate? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The book of Romans chapter 1. In verse 14, Paul the Apostle said this. I like this passage. Beginning in verse 14, he said, I am debtor. Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Why is, why is Paul saying he is a debtor? Because he's been given the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's been giving, given the gospel. And it, this is only for those who have received the good news of Jesus Christ. But for those that have, you owe it to those around to share, give, preach, teach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you recognize it or not, you also are a debtor to this good news. The world needs good news. Our neighbors, our families need good news. And there is no greater passion and there's no greater news than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am a debtor. It doesn't matter who or doesn't matter where. And then he says this, verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready. I like that. I'm a debtor and I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Some would say, uh, uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why, Paul, are you not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? And his answer is this. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the only way to salvation. It's the only way for whosoever. It's the only way for anyone to know and come to Christ. To be in a right relationship with God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way. We are motivated. We are powered. We are empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we think of the gospel, the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection, when we think of the gospel, we think of the resurrection is the glorious part of that story. The resurrection is the, the powerful part of the story. I mean, that's an act of love that He died for us. But it's an act of power that He rose again for us. It's an act of, of glory. that The, the part of the, the gospel that is so glorious is the resurrection part. 
that He rose from the dead. You know, had it not been for the resurrection, and, I, and I'll prove that this is so, so glorious, because the, the, the resurrection kind of, let me say it this way, had it not been for the resurrection, you and I would be bitter if we believed in Christ. If we believed in Jesus Christ, you and I would be bitter and, and ashamed of the cross. We would be saddened by that. We would be saddened by the death and the suffering. Had it not been for the resurrection, that would have been a very bad time. Had it not been for the resurrection, you and I would look back on the cross in a very different way than you and I look at the cross today. When we see the cross today, we think of love. When we think of the cross today, we think of victory. When we think of the cross today, there's not this... This terrible feeling in our, our gut of anger toward those that crucified him. We, 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 we don't think that way. We're not bitter over it. Why? Because he defeated it. Because of the resurrection, we look differently at his suffering. We look differently at his death. We look differently at the cross and all that he went through for us. That It would have been a defeat had it not been for the resurrection. The glorious resurrection. No, I'm not sad about the cross. Because of the resurrection. The cross proved that He loved me, that He died for me, that He paid for my sins. The resurrection proves that He's victorious overall. The resurrection proves that no matter what happens in my life, for those that are in Christ, I am not a victim, but victorious. Because of the resurrection. I know this. I know that I have eternal life. The Bible says here that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Infallible, incapable of making mistakes, incapable of being wrong, unmistakable. You know, they say that there are certain things in life that are certain, like death and taxes. But Christ gave us something, I would say, more sure than death. And that is life. He's given us something more sure than death. You say, what do you mean by that? Um, When death is defeated and long gone, life will still be there for you and I. Eternal life. When our enemy death has been defeated, Christ has made it possible that we will for sure have eternal life. Infallible proofs. Infallible proofs. Proofs are evidence which conveys to the mind the certainty of a truth or fact. It produces belief. Proof can come from personal knowledge. It can come from testimony of others. It can come from conclusive reasoning. But proofs, or a proof, establishes a statement or establishes a truth. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now there's all kinds of different ways we could go with talking about the proof of the resurrection. There's been many stories and many books written, oh so many, of the proofs of the resurrection. There's overwhelming evidence. 
You could go to the Old Testament and, and show how all of the proofs of, of Christ fulfilled all that was prophesied about Him in the Old Testament. You could read of all the eyewitnesses found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You could learn of all the eyewitnesses of 500, over 500 at once. This saw the resurrected Christ. We could go into all types of proofs from back then of the resurrection of Christ. But today, we're just going to take a simple look at the evidence of the resurrection from something that we can see right in front of us today. Two simple points of the evidence of the resurrection. The first one is you. You are the evidence of the resurrection. And secondly, we. We, the church. The church is the evidence of the resurrection. Last week, I think it was, I mentioned this verse, John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If, it, if Christ said, if I were to die, I will bring forth much fruit. You know what we know about fruit? Is if there's fruit on a tree or a plant or something, there's life. Would you agree with that? If there's fruit, there's life. If there's fruit, there's a source. Right? I mean, if you see fruit somewhere in a, in a bowl on a table, you know what? It, you, know what it, you didn't think it just formed there in the bowl. It came from somewhere. There's a source of that fruit. It didn't just fall from the sky. But there's a source of it. And Christ said that if He would die, He would bring forth much fruit. Can I say that in your life and in our church, there is evidence of His death? Burial and resurrection because of the fruit in your life. The fruit of our church is, resurre- is, is evidence of the resurrection. As the Son, Jesus Christ, went into that dark tomb, just as a seed would be planted into the dark ground, the result of it, the result of it is much fruit. You say, where can I find that evidence that it happened immediately? The book of Acts. The book of Acts is immediately after the death, burial, and resurrection, fruit began. The church began. Conversions began. People began to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And their lives were changed. And i got to say that it is not any different today. The same thing is going on today. That's my point. Just as it did right after the death, burial, and resurrection, his, the power of His blood and the power of His resurrection is just as powerful today as it is in those first several chapters of the book of Acts. It says in Acts chapter 1, and in those days, or Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. You say, what's that? Multiplied. That's, the, that's, the, re, that's the, the result of fruit. The fruit began to multiply. And there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. There was growing pains. There was growing pains in the early church as a result of so much fruit. 
He says in verse 7 of that same chapter, And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples, what? Multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. There was a great company of the priests who were obedient unto the faith. How did they increase? How did they multiply? The disciples, the believers, the church. It was all a result of the resurrection. It was all a result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 12 and verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The disciples, the church multiplied. How? Isn't it interesting that the church just continued to grow and continued to grow? And was it by their programs? Was it by their schemes? Was it by really good uh, salesmanship? No. It was by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was by the preaching of the death burial and resurrection and miraculous fruit was a result of that miraculous fruit unexplainable fruit was a result of that preaching of the gospel this is the message in Romans chapter 10 this is the message that they preached this is by the way the message that they preached is the message that we preach Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Listen, why why are we so thrilled about the resurrection? Because that's what we believed in for salvation. That's what we believed in for new life in Christ. That God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be That's not a complicated message, is it? No, but it's a powerful one. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How can I know that I am righteous? How can I know that I'm righteous before God? How can I know that I am in a right standing before God? Through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by putting my faith in Him, I can know That I am righteous before God. This is good news. This is wonderful, wonderful, miraculous, powerful, good news. For whosoever, verse 13, I like this. This this message, by the way, of the gospel is for everyone, anyone that will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise that he is still keeping. That's a promise that the Lord is still keeping today. That's a promise that He made 2,000 years ago. That that, that He will cash that check today. That if you call on Him for salvation, He will abundantly pardon. He will save. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach Except they be sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Aren't you glad that we've got a really, really important purpose? We've got a really, really important purpose. It doesn't seem uh, super, um, you know, amazing at times, but it is eternal. To preach the good news of Jesus Christ.
to those who need to hear. This belief in the resurrection brings new life. In Romans 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore, we were are buried with him by baptism into his death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Is there anyone here this morning that walks in newness of life? Is there anyone here that their life has changed because of Jesus Christ? Every person that says amen to that, every person that in their heart agrees to that, you are evidence of His resurrection. For if we, were, if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Hey, no grave going to hold me down. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus, because of our salvation, we have a new walk, a newness of life. Our personal salvation, our personal changed life is evidence of the resurrection. The indwelling spirit in our heart and in our lives brings evidence of the resurrection. Paul says to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, In verse 3, Paul says to them, Since ye seek a proof, remember we're talking about infallible proofs. Paul says to them, Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you is not weak, but is mighty in you. In other words, Paul said, How else did you receive Christ if I didn't preach the gospel to you? That's how you're saved. That's why there's a church in Corinth right now. Is because of the gospel being preached. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Then he says this, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. You know what Paul says to them? Check your own heart. Prove yourself. If eternal life lives within you, check your own Examine your own selves. Do you have the hope of salvation inside of you? If you do, then you are evidence of the gospel. If you do, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, then you have evidence of the resurrection. Your life, an eternal life, supports the claim that Christ is risen. There's a cause and effect of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. The Bible says that He's like the wind. You can't see him, but you see the effects. He's like water, right? That well, that well springing up into everlasting life. It's like out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, there is a difference in a person that has received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Each individual is evidence of the resurrected Christ. 
Paul said about himself that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. And I think many times people, because of the great respect we have for Paul the Apostle and his life's work for Christ, we read that verse and think that he's just being humble. Oh, Paul's calling himself the chiefest of sinners. No, he really was. He was a terrorist. He was a murderer. He was so zealous to destroy the church and to persecute Christians. He was the chiefest of sinners. That's who he was. That's who he was. But his life was changed. He said he went about. He was so zealous to persecute the church of God. That's who he was. That's who Saul of Tarsus was before he met Jesus Christ before the Lord appeared to him and he was converted on the road to Damascus and he had a changed life. After that, after the same person that persecuted the church and was zealous to persecute the church gave his life to serve and suffer for the church, the body of Christ. He was just as zealous to edify the body of Christ as it seems that he was to persecute the body of Christ. Paul said this about himself uh, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What an amazing verse. You know what Paul says? My whole way of life, my whole way of life is now through Christ. He says, the life that I now live in the flesh, in other words, the life that I now live in this body is different than the life that I lived before. I I was living one way with one purpose and one plan and one direction and all these different, but then Christ saved me. He loved me and saved me. He gave himself for me. And when I put my faith and trust in that, I live a different life now. I live a different life. The life which I now live. You know what Paul's saying? I'm not who I used to be. Paul never said he was perfect. We read at the end that he was striving, he was going. He didn't think that he had, he had attained or he was still pushing for the mark, but but he said, I'll tell you, I'm not perfect, but I'm def- I definitely not who I used to be. God changed me. God's changed my heart. I'm not who I once was. You know what he said? I walk in newness of life. You know, if there was one person that said that, if there, it, it, let's just say it was just Paul that ever said that, had that testimony, that wouldn't be probably enough evidence to convince us, would it? If it was just one person that had that testimony, he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his life was changed. And if it was a fact, let's just say at one period of time, in one specific area, there was a big group of people that said, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God changed our life. I mean, that's mounting evidence, but that's still not quite enough. But if multitudes of people... For 2,000 years, in every country, in every walk of life, if every, all over the world has the same testimony, that I once was one way, 
Then I put my faith and trust in the gospel that was preached. And now I'm different. I mean, the evidence is pretty overwhelming. The evidence is pretty overwhelming as you meet believers and hear of the believers throughout the last 2,000 years have the same testimony as Paul. And not just that, here in this little church this morning, it is full of that same testimony. That I once was one way, but I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ And now I'm going a different way. I'm going a different way because of Him. This is evidence of His resurrection. That He has lived. This many people saying, my life has been changed. My heart has been changed. My mind has been changed because of Christ. (laughs) That's proof of the resurrection. Your proof of the resurrection. (laughs) The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. (laughs) You know, any person can be made new. Any person who believes that gospel that I just read from Romans chapter 10. Any person that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can have new life. The Bible says they can be justified. And that can be verified by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's evidence. Your evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, not just you as an individual as evidence, but we together collectively. The fact that there's a church, the body of Christ, corporate and local, this local assembly today, are coming together on Sunday morning. You know, it's wonderful to come together on on Resurrection Sunday. But it's good to come together every Sunday morning. And you know what we're saying? Christ is risen. And we're coming together in His name because He rose. 2,000 years ago, He defeated all of our worst enemies. So that's why we are coming together in His name is because of Him. The church, the church is evidence of His resurrection. When he was buried, that was that seed going into the ground. And the fruit came out. And the fruit that came out, as you read the book of Acts, is churches being planted. I like that word planted because that's what it is. Is they just come up out of the ground, just green and new. And there's what? There's life. They're miraculous. They're miraculous. The Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And boy, did they try. All hell, all evil came up against the early church, and I would say it's still coming against the church in different ways. And it hasn't prevailed. That's amazing. That's a miracle. That is evidence that 2,000 years ago, these churches began to come up just by... Their churches started to pop up By this one thing, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people began to meet together in unity and work together for the cause of Christ. To glorify God and to edify one another. That's what it's been doing for 2,000 years. It multiplied. The more fire, the more tribulation that came to these churches. (laughs) 
the more they grew, they thrive off of that. Even though we're not asking for it, even though we don't want it, I thank God for what we have. But my goodness, the church's history has been that they have grown in persecution and thrived in these things. The book of Acts, as we've talked about this, this book, being, you know, I think of the book of Acts like um, the diary of the early church, you know, the first 30 years of the church. That's how I think of it. But the last verse of the book of Acts goes like this. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. You know, the book of Acts does not have a closing. And do you know why that is? Because it's still being written. The book of Acts won't be over. The acts of, of Jesus Christ through his people uh, won't be over until he calls us home. We're part of this. We're part of this. You and I are part of what God is doing here on earth through the church. Wow. We're part of this. <laughs> when you think of a miracle, the miracle of a church starting. I mean, it is, you know, there, there are books, humanly, uh, human, humans write to try to figure out the best way to start a church, the best way to plant a church. But there's also this, and this works much, much better, the Word of God, uh, the book of Acts and the letters to the churches that Paul wrote. And, and it's just an amazing thing. When you see a church start, I, I, you know, how we got started is just a, a miracle. I mean, it's just a miracle. And we tell the story. I remember, uh, uh, Herb, I'm calling you out here for a second. But when we first got started, Herb had not even received Christ at, at, at the beginning. But he was showing up to all the work days and showing up to all the services. And he was asking everyone. He'd ask me all the time. And then he'd go around and ask people, what are we doing? Like, how are we, what are we doing? What is this? What's going on? What, how, what are we doing? Like, he really wanted structure and order. And, and I think everybody's answer was like, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that made him nervous or made him keep coming back. But we we're like, we don't know. We're just, we'll be here next Sunday. That was it. It was, that, it was like that, wasn't it? It was, it was just... And it was, and God added to the church and added to the church. And how he did it is an absolute miracle. It was not the plan. It is a fact that it was not the plan or scheme of any person. That's a fact. Two years ago, two years ago on Easter, we had our first service here. We didn't have the occupancy yet, so we kind of snuck in early in the morning and sang praises to God and... Uh, but you remember that. And think of how much we've multiplied since then. Just God doing it. Just God doing it. When you think of these things, when you think of these churches starting, I know Kevin's got to see it in New Guinea, just churches be planted. God birthed them. And there's no other way of saying it. As you go into a village, as Thinegar and I have seen, where you go into a village and preach, simply preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then year after year, we go back and see the churches growing in India. 
to be in Westlaco just in January to see a church that was planted in Westlaco, Texas during a pandemic. And to see that church growing, it is nothing short of a miracle. This is what God does. Is he births his church and then he does what he will with it. And you know what? We, as we meet together, although I've said this many times, that it's not, you know, super impressive what we're doing and meeting together. But it is a miracle and glorifying to God that we come together in his name to worship him. And it is evidence of his resurrection. It's evidence of his resurrection. Paul's going and preaching and planning the churches in the book of Acts. You can read as he goes into Thessalonica or Corinth or or Philippi and preaches and, and sees these churches birthed. That's amazing. To know that God's Spirit is here with us now as two or three are gathered together in His name. The promise that he talked about that we read in Acts chapter 1. The promise is here with us now. The Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and filling. We, together, are evidence of His resurrection. And He's working in us and through us. You say, how is God working in the world today? Through us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 19, the Bible says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought or worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him, Christ, to be the head over all things to the church. Why is he the head of the church? Because he rose from the dead. Because of his resurrection. Why is he in charge? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Which is... His body. Is Jesus Christ here? Yes. We are His. We are His body. We are the ones that are called to be a light to this world. If God, and I know that He is, is working in the world today, you know who He's using? Us. Us. He says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, the church, are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in Him. God working in us, And through us, as He adds to the church and as He works through the church, that is evidence of His resurrection. He says in Ephesians 4 and verse 16, Ephesians 4 and verse 16, For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted 
By that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. God is working through us to help us, to edify us, to increase us. God is using us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. In Him... Christ Jesus, we live and move. In Him, this is how we work. Is He in us and us in Him? The church, can I say, is evidence of His resurrection. 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of of Him who hath called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You know what we're called to do here on this earth? We're called to praise Him. We're called to sing these songs to Him. What we did in the song singing, the service of singing this morning, is to glorify God in praise and worship. Why? <laughs> because He called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We, you and I, Together are the body of Christ. And not just today, not just on Resurrection Sunday, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. Each and every day to remember that Christ arose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is where I'm getting ready to close, I just was going to read a few more of the verses, but I'll give you just the gist is in verse 1 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein you stand. What do we preach? We preach the same thing Paul preached, the gospel. And if you receive it, this is what we as a church and we as individual believers, this is what we stand on. By which also ye are, what? Saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. According to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas and the twelve, eventually 500 brethren at once, eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. And he goes through, he says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become, and be, and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Because he is risen, you and I have the hope of the resurrection in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, uh, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And then look at this. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death 
is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us the victory. Today, today, if you're here this morning and have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. Today's the day to say, Lord God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I am putting my faith and trust in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And he will save. That's his promise. He will save. But what I love about this chapter, chapter 15, is it starts with the gospel and then just goes into great detail. You may read it later on, but goes into great detail of the resurrection and and all of the things uh, that are for us because of the resurrection. But it ends with this verse, and this is how we'll end this morning. Verse 58. Therefore, I mean, it's a long chapter, 57 verses of all of what the gospel, what the resurrection means. One verse of, all right, now what's this mean for you? One verse of, put this to action. One verse of, uh, you are the evidence of this. You are the evidence of the resurrection. One verse of, now go live it out. Walk in newness of life. Go be the light of the world. He says, Verse 58. And this is for this verse is to each and every believer that has received the gospel that you stand on. This is for us. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you know that you have the hope of the resurrection, be steadfast. Stand in the gospel. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be steadfast, unmovable, not backing up. We call it backsliding. Not backsliding. Not getting lukewarm. No, get on fire. No, unmovable, steadfast. And and he says, abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, now is not a good time for the work of the Lord. Now is the only time for the work of the Lord. You say, how do we know that this is the time? Because we're here. We're the ones here now with the good news. And the truth of the matter is, it's not in vain. What we do through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit's working in us, And through us is not in vain. Can I say, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you today? You might now. As we bow our heads, you might pray this prayer. Lord God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I'm asking you to save me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. God, I believe in the resurrection. And I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. For those that have experienced this wonderful gospel, Lord, help us as individuals. Lord, help us as a church to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work.
Jesus' name we pray. Go ahead and stand. What song are we going to sing? Page number 61. Page 61 in your songbook. Contact us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.